1: The Unholy Trinity Podcast: Three Blues, Three Opinions, One Everton Podcast.
2: Welcome to episode 136 of the Unholy Trinity Podcast, brought to you in association with Sports Social, the UK's undedicated sports podcast network, and also Fanatics. We thought we'd jump in this morning after a few weeks off after the the end of a traumatic season we always like to, to get a few episodes out over the course of the uh the summer period i'm delighted to say we've been joined by 90 football media expert journalist whatever you want to call him he's uh he knows it all knows it all this fella i don't want to build your chris but you know it all uh him and that's that's chris smith but most importantly chris you are aren't you
3: I am for my sins, yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> but, uh, so on...
2: sorry, mate, it's great to have you on the show this morning. Uh, we look forward to, to delving into obviously a lot of things that have gone on this week with Everton. One of them, obviously, you, you did cover with an article yourself yesterday about in regards to, to Charleston, so we'll, we'll jump in with that shortly. Um, but I, I'll, I'll come to you first. Like I say, it's been a busy week, hasn't it? Um, with, with Everton, a, lot, a lot's been going on. And probably the best place to start is the the impending incoming uh, of a of a new centre half in in James uh, Tarkowski. What what are your thoughts on that, Chris?
3: Yeah, as you say, very busy week um, to start off. What what has to be a very busy summer for a, a club and a team that needs a lot of a lot of work doing after the absolute disaster that was last season. But Tarkowski, I think, is going to be the kind of business that Lampard's going to be forced into making. Um, He's available on a free, and obviously air quotes over free because he's still going to cost wages, but he's he's played a lot of games in the Premier League over the last few years. He's consistently fit, which we know that's been a problem with Yeri Mina, who you would say is our best centre-back, um, but that's no good if he's only going to play 12 to 13 games a season. Um, obviously, he does the no-nonsense side of defending really well, as any defender who's played under Sean Dyche for years should do. But he's also very good on the ball. Don't let his recent stats for Burnley feel you during his time with Brentford. He was he was very much a progressive defender and he remains so. And I think getting him in with Lampard and giving him a summer there, I think, to to work on how Lampard wants to play. I think he could actually be a much better centre back for this team than people give him credit for.
2: Yeah, I think I think with with Sarkowski, like you say, I think a lot of people look at where he's coming from. Uh, obviously, the style of play at Burnley is is different and has been over the years to how we would expect Everton to play. So I think stats can quite often be a little bit deceptive in in certain cases. But like you say, I think a really important part of bringing him in is the fact. I mean, I think he averages about thirty-five games a season for the last four or five seasons, which is massive. Like you mentioned there, you know, Yerry yeah, Mina, um, he, he struggled what, to get to the thirteen appearances last season. Um he's not been not being placed in terms of his injury records since he since he came in and as much as he's our best centre half you've got to have players that you can rely upon to, to play week in week out and, and i think that's been a massive struggle if you look at last season him ben godfrey had a couple of, of, of occasions when he was he was out with covid and then he was out, obviously picked up an injury as well um so we haven't been able to nail down sort of two two centre halves with gilly playing and that's been one of the, uh, the the really disappointing factors, I think, in, in the last the last few years is that you know Jordan Pickford can't build and can't rely upon a, a centre back pairing because we, we've had so many injuries, especially to to, to Mina. But Lee, but what, what, what do you think about this this thing incoming uh, of James Tarkowski are you, are you quite satisfied with that kind of business?
0: Yeah, I'd agree with Chris. I think it's you know. It's the ponds we're fishing in, aren't we, at the minute? Um, purely because we're being forced to, because of FFP and the situation we find ourselves in. But um, we love a we love a low block centre half from Burnley, don't we? Um, but I mean, look, you, you you know, jokes aside, I think it's a very shrewd signing. Um, yes, look, we'd we'd much rather be going out for a, a young twenty three year old who's worth you know twenty thirty million with the potential to grow. But you know, as I said. Needs must at the minute. And I think, you know, I think he will be a direct replacement for Yeri. I see Yeri probably moving on this summer. Um, You know, as much as I agree with you, Mike, he is our best centre-half. You know, if he's only available for, what, a third of the season, if that, then, you know, we can't be relying on him, can we? You know, the stats say it all when he plays. Obviously, he makes a massive difference in terms of our, you know, ability to defend, our clean sheet potential, everything else, our win rate, you know, so we do need... We do desperately need when Yeri's not playing uh, a leader there at the back, and I, I think Tarkovsky, uh, you know, ticks all those boxes. You, know, you look at his stats; he is actually a bit more progressive, like Chris said, than than, than he's given credit for. Um, you know, he is very commanding in the air. He's a goal threat in the other box. Um, you know, and as I said, he's a natural leader as well, and we des- we desperately need that at the back. You know, someone that can play the majority of the season and 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 also just command that back four. I think uh, Lampard identified him straight away, really, and I'm glad we've got him because we weren't the only ones in for him, and there was a few people that would have would have been in for him, particularly on a free. Um, but yeah, I think that's that's a shrewd shrewd sign in that. Um, the only thing I worry about slightly um, is obviously his pace. He, he's not the quickest, um, but you know if he does play alongside someone like a Godfrey, for example, hopefully we can progress on. Now he had a tough year last year. Then there's your pacing behind it in terms of anything that's in over the top. If we're trying to push teams uh, a bit higher up the pitch, um, then you know that could be a decent combination. But uh, but overall, look, I'm I'm happy with the business. As the first one through the door, I'm happy for that to come in.
2: I think Lampard was linked with with him when he was Chelsea manager. If I'm not mistaken, I think there was there was links there that he fancied him. Then that came out this week, um, so I think there's been a a long standing admiration there between manager. And player. Um, so I think, I think it bodes well, you know, the, if, if the man just looked at him prior to come into the club, you know, when we were getting him in on, on a three, a player who's got great Premier League experience, who, who looks looks absolutely solid, um, then I think it does bode well. But Pete, I'll, I'll come to you, I know you're, when it was first brought up that we were in for him, I know there was another few clubs, the likes of Vastendor and Newcastle, I mentioned as well, weren't they, about uh, trying to get his, get his signature. You were you were very really pleased, weren't you, with the uh, with us being linked to him, and, and we're quite keen on him coming in.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's a great signing, and not not just because it's a a free transfer. You know, you're you getting an experienced Premier League centre half, and as you say, Lampard did go after him when he was at Chelsea. I believe the transfer was blocked. I can never pronounce um, I can never pronounce the name at Chelsea. If someone else wants to have a go, oh, the
0: one who's the go between between Mourinho and the, the manager yeah i know what you mean yeah. i do know what you mean yeah but, but look
1: look whenever he's played against us i've i've always been really impressed with him um you know he's got great great pedigree if you look at his his performance ratings even when Burnley have lost you know he's he's in the 7 point you know what whatever which you know for a defender on, on the wrong end of a um of a defeats not to be sniffed at i think he'll shore us up He's. I think if you look at his injury records, I think he's played 30-odd games for about the past six years, seven years, something like that. So, you again, you know what you're getting from him. You know, reliability, solid player. I, I've heard some people criticise his his ball-playing skills, but I think that's quite unfair, really, when you look at the team he's been playing in and probably how he's been asked to play. I don't think you're going to be able to evaluate that until you see him in an Everton shirt and you see how, how Frank Lampard asks him to play. Um So, you know, hopefully he can surprise a couple of people. But, you know, he pops up with a goal or two as well. Uh, You know, he's really commanding in the air. He's really assured, experienced. Um, You know, we've got a couple of young defenders in terms of, you know, Godfrey and Holgate and Branthwaite. And, you know, hopefully his experience can help them come along. And as well, I think what, what a lot of people are missing, he's played alongside Michael Keane. You know, which again, it's just a no-brainer, isn't it? So I, I think we've got someone on a free that can hopefully just come and slot in and settle the defence, which, you know, is, is probably the area of, of our team that we we need to sort out the most. When you look at how we lost some particular games last season, there were some glaring defensive howlers. And again, like Mike alluded to, um, what that does to a team when, you know, you start letting in goals like that. and you know psychologically how you're able to to manage a game it's it's really really difficult if if you don't trust your defense and um yeah we found a way toward the end of the season but michael keane and mason holgate i think have really struggled to play together at times you know for, for whatever reason um positionally they, they've they really got into some messes at times so it's clear we, we you know we need a different type of partnership um, and it was so unstable throughout the season. I think the, the amount of, s- of centre half pairings or uh, different back fours that we had to put out to get through the season is just not sustainable for a, like a Premier League club. And um, you know, it's, it's very, very difficult to have any success whatsoever if you don't have that stability in your in your side.
0: Placid, it's a classic Pete signing, isn't it, Pete? You, lo- you, love, you love a good good centre half, don't you? Said. Do.
1: In
2: the, the uh, get it out the, the name you were looking for at Chelsea is Marina Granovskaya. Is that yeah, what you want?
1: That's the one. Good work.
2: As you know, I'm good with my languages, aren't I? Um, <laughs> so
1: that's just another example there for our
2: for our listeners. Um, but now, in terms of the centre centre halves, and obviously we mentioned the uh, yeah, you mean it There's been talk with potentially Marseille. I think we mentioned this week. Um, Michael Keane is fancied by David Moyes at West Ham. So another, you know, another one maybe um, that, that could be out the door. I can't really see you selling both. I think it's one or the other, to be honest. I think the most obvious choice is to sell you Mina last year of his contract. You know, if you get sort of 10 to 15 million, we'd probably accept it. It's it's who takes a chance on Yerry Mina because of his injury record. That's the big thing. But I said it in the past. It's just,
0: think- just out of interest, though. Sorry to interject. Obviously, I, I do see Yerry going as well. By the way, I do agree. I do think they will. He will go. If if Moyes puts an offer in for Keane, and it, you know it's it's one that's difficult to turn down. What's everyone's thoughts? Would you would you be happy to see him go, Chris? You, what do you think, mate? Would you would you want him out or?
3: Um, I wouldn't say I want him out, but yeah, I'd be I'd be fine with him going. Um, yeah. I think an important thing to remember, uh, just, just touching back on Tarkowski in relation to the likes of Keane and um, and Holgate, is is pairing those players next to Yeri Mina last season. We saw how much they all played better once they were next to a leader. So yeah. to say that I'd just be happy to let Keane go, uh, not really. But at the same time, if he does go, it's not a disaster. Um, I know he is on a list of players that the club would, be happy to let leave because they know they can get a fee for him um, and obviously we all know how much Everton need money at the moment so um yeah I mean it, it, yeah it wouldn't be the end of the world but I think you are right in that yeah, Mina makes a bit more sense because he's coming towards the end of his contract and he's, he's perpetually injured and we're not in a position where we can stockpile players to have one one player ready for thirteen, fourteen, fifteen games, so yeah, it would make
0: sense. Yeah, carry, we can't afford to carry anyone. Definitely, yeah, you you agree with that, mate? Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, like like Chris says, then, and I've I put it on on Twitter yesterday, and we're going to come on to this in a minute. But you know, sides know our financial situation. They know that we need to bring to bring money in, and um, so it, it puts us on the back foot straight away with any kind of negotiations and. You know, Michael Keane would be no difference. I mean, West Ham—if they came and say with a with a 15 million pound offer—I think Everton would accept it. To be honest, I mean, it's got to be—it's got to be the right money. But Everton are in a position where we've got the luxury of, you know, really sort of bartering and and haggling and things like that. You know, we've we're in a position where we have got to bring money in. So, yeah, I think if a half decent offer comes in for Michael Keane, I think we we'd let him go. I think that then. If that happens before Mina goes anywhere, you might then look to give Mina another 12 months on on a on a lesser lesser wage, uh, with with a, quite a few terms and conditions in there, maybe based on appearances as well. Because I don't think you can afford to be giving them what 100 120 grand a week for, for 13 and 15 games a season. Um so yeah, I mean, everyone's got the price, definitely Let's let's be honest. There's there's not one player in that side, you know, as much as we love say Richard Allison for, for argument's sake. There's not one player on that side that hasn't got a price, um, and and the club know that. And you know, like you said, the club has, has got a list of players there who are technically up for sale, and they quite happily sell on. Um, but he, yeah, Keane will be one of those. Uh, but you know, just, yeah.
0: just just out of interest there, quickly. So if let's say Keane and Mina go, then we are left with then uh, Tarkovsky, um, Godfrey, Branthwaite and Holgate. There's four there, isn't it? So yeah, but well,
2: Brandt, to be loaned. well need there, there's, there's a lot of talk around him getting getting loaned out. So I don't think Frank Lampard sees right. Brandt's as a four center half. I don't think for next season. I think he wants him to go away and get some experience or some more experience. Uh, I know he spent some time with me at, um, at Blackburn um, in the previous season. Did okay, um, but I think he needs to go away and get regular game times. What we what we don't tend to do well. And that's where the link up obviously with, with Kevin Thelwell will come in. You've got to look to develop these players. And these younger players have got to go and and get some, some regular game time and learn, learn the trade, and not just be playing sort of five or ten minutes here or there or playing the odd cup game. It does, does them no favours there. Really. Um, so as much as Brantway looks like he, he's got you know the attributes to be a decent centre-half, he's big, strong, left-footed, um, doesn't look to be too much of a slouch. You know, he needs to go and play football on a regular basis to really then nail down any kind of starting position at the club. So that's why I think maybe I can't see both Keane and Mina going. One or the other for me. I still think Mina's is ahead of that particular, uh, the top of that particular list. But but we'll see. You know, we think things can happen. There's a lot of things can can change over the course of the next sort of two months or so. Um. So we'll we'll see where we are when we come. To that what's
0: football. the what's the talk on Lewis Gibson? Uh, he went away. He went out on loan, didn't he? There's not.
2: He had a very, really, very really injury rapid season, didn't he? Struggled. Um, he he didn't play I don't think a, a massive amount of games, um, and he was one. He was tipped, to, you know, for for the future. But he he struggled. He struggled the last couple of years, Gibson. So I don't envisage envisage him breaking through anytime soon. I think there's going to be a decision made on Gibson actually over the next the next few
0: weeks. I'm sure I read the other day, Mike, You're normally abreast of these more than me, but I, I'm sure I read that the club were looking to offer him uh, an, well another contract. I'm sure i yeah, I don't know what I'm just. Have you heard that as well? Yeah.
2: Yeah. There was something come out the other day in regards that when they re- re- released a list of players who were who were being released and and being kept on and things like that, he was mentioned in that particular a particular category there and and you know maybe getting a new deal i just you know it's hard to assess these players when they do go on loan and they don't play a great deal um through a variety of reasons as i say he's he's been injured um but i suppose we can't read too much into that because anthony gordon went to preston didn't play a great deal came back and and was arguably our best player last season so you know these things work in in mysterious ways i suppose but I do think it'll be one of one of Keane or Mina. And like we said, Keane and Tarkovsky worked, you know, worked together before. It could it could work in our favour as well. So maybe so we probably the favorite to stay, I would say. Um but one player tip to go yesterday more more than ever, um, is a Charleston? And it's it's come as no surprise to anyone because we know that at least one of him and, and Dominic Calvert Lewin would will be moved on because we need to bring money into the club. I think it's always a little bit it's it's a bit sad really because it's you know Richard and yet again. Uh, I think you said on the last on the last podcast or the side the after the palace game, um he's probably kept us up this season. It was it 10 goals, six assists? He's dragged us through a number of games, you know sheer effort and will, will to win. Um, he's a massive fans favourite, you know, he, he plays for the for the uh, the badge week in, week out. Uh, but strong rumours yesterday from both both Chris uh, at minutecom the Athletic were reporting as well uh, the link between Everton and, and Spurs. And I think the the thing which obviously fans have latched on to really was the how low the price was. The, I think 60 million euros, about 51 million pounds, was was quoted. Um, Chris, what's what's the what's the latest on this for those who, who haven't seen the reports? What what uh, what's come out of of both camps there?
3: Yeah, um, as you say, the Tottenham are preparing a bid next week. Um, In true Daniel Levy fashion, he wants to lowball Everton. Um, like He wants to lowball everyone unless it's for their own players. But um, yeah, they're they're expected to make an opening offer next week, which I would very, very much expect Everton to reject because it's going to be quite far below the asking price. But Arsenal, Chelsea, PSG, Atletico Madrid have all had confirmed interest as well. So... It's going to be, as I said to you yesterday, Mike, it's going to be a, a bit of a saga, this one, I think. Um, speaking from a fan's point of view, just taking my, my job out of it for a moment, I I would much prefer Everton to try and drag another club into it with Spurs and try and get a bidding war going to, to get as much as we can. Because, for, well, for various reasons, Richarlison's a player that we paid a lot of money for, of course. But also, for all the reasons you just stated, is a fan's favourite Um I think it was six goals in his last nine games um, of the season which was absolutely crucial to keeping us up and I think it's rare in football when people say that he gets it or like he he understands the club and he understands the fans that's usually a bit of a, a reach for fans looking for someone to be their hero but I think we're a Charleston. and he genuinely does and he does all the little things that that fans want your favourite players to do like gives a bit of stick to the other side and sort of always has time for the fans and to, to let a player like that go and um, I mean even speaking from a PR point of view at Everton like they need to bring in a lot of money for him so that that would be the best outcome would be to to drag another club into a bidding war but yeah that's me speaking as a fan for that bit and how likely that is I don't know.
2: Who I mean you mentioned there obviously Chelsea Arsenal PSG did the CFS Commerce were mentioned yeah, as well yeah. in the article, Chris? I did, yes. So that'd be I mean that that's that's an insistence. take. I mean, I don't think anyone would would begrudge Richard a move to a Champions League club. I think I said to you, didn't I yesterday? It's a lot more palatable if, if he goes mm-hmm. abroad, because seeing Richardson playing for another Premier League side, I think will break a lot of people's hearts, to be honest. Um and I think that that's the real the real sticking point with with Evertonians is is that we've always expected him to move on at some point, but we we always expected that it would be a move to to a club outside of outside of England. Um, and when people start talking about Spurs, you know, it was only a few years ago that we were competing with Spurs for a position in the Premier League table. So it shows how far not even not even so much how far they've risen, how far we've fallen really. So you know, for one of our our better players, are one of our best players, to be looking at potentially moving to, to Spurs because they can offer obviously Champions League football um, and that, that's that's the, the, most, the most heartbreaking side of things really for me. Um, Lee, what, what what are your thoughts on, on the Richardson situation? We knew, as I say, we knew it was going to crop up. We knew it was likely he was going to go over him and Dom was probably going to be him. What, what are your thoughts on these Spurs links especially?
0: Yeah, like I said in the last podcast, I mean, look, you know, he was instrumental in keeping us up. I mean, Chris, is just giving you the stats there. I mean, not only that, his work rate, his ability to play through pain. You know, you saw him in that last game. He was injured after about 20 minutes. You know what I mean? He's, he's, he was he was hobbling around the pitch, but clearly he wanted to stay on. Clearly Lampard wanted to keep him on because he knows there's a chance to get a goal. And look, he pops up with a crucial goal um, to equalise. So, but you know, Richarlison's one of those players. If he plays for you, he's easy to love, isn't he? You know what I mean? Because he's he gives absolutely everything on the pitch. Um, you know, he's he's obviously technically very good. He's Brazilian. He's a, he's a, he's their current number nine. Um, you know, his his goal scoring record for Everton is, is is one in three since he's been here. In in 150 games, he's got I think 53 goals or something like that. One in three for a team that, let's be honest, has on the whole been pretty garbage in in that in that time. Um, And I I think we should, if if it is Spurs coming in for the rumours around about 60 million or even 60 million euros, I'd say, you know, add another 20% to that at least. Um, Because, you know, we we paid 50 million for him at Watford when we signed him. The market's gone, gone up since then. You know, inflation, as we know, outside of football is ridiculous anyway, by the way. So for me... Personally, I'd be looking to nearer to the sixty I'm uh, not sixty five, sorry, to this to the seventy million mark. Seventy million pounds, that is not Euros as well. I know that sounds ridiculous. When you see the likes of Harry Maguire though, and people of that sort of ilk going for eighty, then you know, we need to be pushing these clubs. Maybe, maybe, maybe you're right, Chris. Maybe we need a you know, an atletico or someone like that to come in just to sort of force Daniel Levy's hand. We know what Daniel Levy's like. He's a shrewd operator, he's been in the game long enough. Um but, you know, we just need to slap that sort of price on him, 70 mil or whatever it is, and say, look, that's it. Bid that. Or I'll see you later. you staying with us. Um, and, then, and then force his And If they go elsewhere, they go elsewhere. But, you know, one thing I was potentially interested in is obviously we've been heavily linked with, with Winks. Uh, I mean, all of, you know, we've spoken privately. I'm not sure I'm completely convinced by that signing. Obviously, Lampard seems to like him. He is a ball retainer in midfield, but I think we just need more athletes in there. To be honest, who can get about the pitch, uh, not neat and tidy, tippy tappy players. But it'd be interesting to see if that, if those links are genuine, whether potentially that maybe as make weight is part of the deal for Richardson, um, and also possibly they might even throw the Delhi, uh, you know, right off in there as well. Um, obviously, we got Delhi essentially on a free initially, but if we did sell him, obviously, we'd have to give something back to Spurs. Otherwise, they've got nothing to gain. So there's obviously some sort of deal in there for Delhi if we did shift him on. So, you know, they could potentially hold us to that as well. Um, if he does go to Atletico, um, I would be interested in 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 Cunha, who's, who signed for them last season but not really played. He's a real talented Brazilian kid, a bit younger than Richarlison. But we've also been linked with Emmanuel Dennis from Watford, um, and, and and again in a really, let's be honest, a crap team last year. He looked really good for Watford in patches last year. Uh, again, a young kid who's, who seems to have a lot of talent, can play through the middle, can play off the left, um, and obviously wouldn't be nowhere near as much as obviously what Richarlison would be. So, um, yeah, that's an interesting. I don't know what you think, Pete. I know you you've mentioned Dennis in the past, but I. I yeah, but you also like that Ismaila Saar as well, don't you? So, what do you think, mate? Uh, about what? About sort of if Richarlison did go, there has been links with the likes of Den- Emmanuel Dennis, who obviously scored quite a few goals for Watford last season, also Saar as well. I think the problem is that there'd be huge gambles. I mean, I
1: do, I do like Saar, but I don't think either of them are anywhere near the calibre of Richarlison. So, essentially, we, we'd be losing, I suppose, our best player, and replacing him with, you know, what one or maybe two signs that, you know, are certainly not guaranteed to reach anywhere near his level.
0: Um, you'd be paying, rumors are you'd be paying around about, what, 15, 20 mil for for one of those. Well, certainly Dennis would be about 15, wouldn't he? 15, 20. So, I mean, it's a third of the price, isn't it?
1: I mean, I'd be heartbroken to see him in a Spurs shirt. I've got to, I've got to be honest. Um and it it is quite sickening as a fan to think, you know, look, they had Mourinho, we had Ancelotti, we went we went there and played them off the park and just looked like a you know supreme footballing outfit. And then both of us have fell from grace. When Conti took over, you know, we were in a very similar position to them. You know, at the point in time they they played us. I think it was only Conti's what first or second game in charge or something like that, when we had we played that that nil-nil and they've just you know, risen and risen, um, and we, you know, we all know what our our story's been. So, I'd, I'd love to see him go elsewhere. And like Chris said, I think the best thing for us would be to try and get a little bit of a bidding war on the go. Um, but clubs, yeah, clubs know the position we're in. and, of course, we're going to set out to to exploit it. Um,
0: and why wouldn't they? I know you said, Mike, just quickly about you know you'd be gutted who went to Spurs, and yeah, we were, you know. We were on par with them, obviously uh, a few years back. That now, but um, I just think if you look at Spurs now, though, I mean they've got an elite level manager. I think Conte's possibly even in the same bracket as 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 Klopp, Guardiola potentially, maybe just behind. Um, They've got two of the best, you know, certainly one the best striker, one of the best strikers in the world. Son's been outstanding as well. Um, It'd be interesting where he gets in that team across a three, though, because Son likes to play off the left. And obviously, uh, although he was playing through the middle a little bit last year as well, they've obviously uh, that, they brought in Kuwilewski, didn't they, from Juve. He was outstanding when he came in. He looks a real talented footballer. He plays obviously more off the right, though. be interesting to see because he doesn't just walk straight into that front three. Uh, for me, as good as he is, and obviously, you know, he's, I'd say, I hate to say it, but he's a Conte-type player for Charleston in, in that he plays with passion. He plays with 100%. Conte was like he's like that as a manager, was like that as a player himself. Um so it'd be interesting to see. Um, you know, how, how they if they if he does end up going to Spurs, how he how he forces his way into that front three.
2: Yeah, it's it's interesting on there, isn't it? Um, like you say, they, they have got an abundance of talent. I mean, you've still got the likes of Lucas Morris floating around and and players like that, who you, you can still offer offer quite a bit to that side, whether it's off the bench or, or from the start. But Obviously, but having Champions League football, there's a lot of a lot of football to be played for for that, that Spurs side next season. So plenty of opportunities if he did go there for him to, to play. I mean, you know, if he wants Champions League football, that, that that's for sure. Um, I just don't know. I mean, if you if you get Charles and you know, Spurs have not won a Sophie, you know, for, for many years as well. You know, they're not as if they're uh, prol- prolific in terms of winning Sophie. So if he's looking for Sort of instant success. I don't think he gets it at Spurs, to be honest. Um, I mean, we see, we know what Conte does. Is his shelf life for clubs is about sort of two seasons, maybe a little bit longer. Um, so I don't think he's going to be there for the the longer term, maybe medium term. Um, and you know, Spurs are they going to press the reset button again if they're not good? If they're not getting you know success and they're not winning trophies, I don't know. So it's a strange one, Spurs. I understand. I understand why. Would be interest. I understand, in a sense, the attraction to Richarlison, But I always had it back in my head, you know, I'd see him at sort of which had maybe PSG, um, sides who are built for instant success, as opposed to a side where you're certainly not guaranteed it. And and Spurs falls into into that category for me. But you know, like like Chris has said, you know, it's gonna be a bit of a saga. For us, we need to get this boxed off pretty early. If, you know, if we want to be doing business um and replacing the Charleston, you know, with whoever it might be. We need to get this this boxed off, get the money, get the money in and, and go from there. Uh, we're already saving, you know, quite a few quid on the fact that we we've already said we're going to be releasing obviously Fabian Delph, um Sigurdsson, Kenny's on his way, obviously Chen Tosson already confirmed to be going. So that, that's a lot that's a lot of money. And obviously El Ghazi played about two or three times or made two or three appearances. Uh, donny Beek, they've gone back So sort of like 400 pounds a week there straight away that is that is being saved so um we need to we need to really now you know as soon as we can if he's going to be moved on and the interest is there hopefully a couple of clubs two or three clubs are, are interested bidding war goes on we get a you know a few more quid than than what we were expecting and, and get it done as early as we can it's no good at going on and on and on Still, you know the back end of the transfer window it doesn't help us in any way, shape, or form.
0: Um, But
2: it's going to be a long. Mike,
0: Mike, Mike just quickly, what's your thoughts on on Dennis? I was just looking at his stats. Then he, he's got ten goals and six assists as well in thirty three games for, for Watford. He's twenty four, and and Watford are arguably worse than we were last season, and uh, that's saying something. But. um he sort of, for me, if we're looking at someone in, in not quite. The, I know Pete's right. He's nowhere near in the same class as Richarlison. I'm, you know, if we're if we're forced to look at someone, maybe at a third of the cost, if not less, then, you know, that might be an option. We might be able to get him a bit cheaper than probably his market value, and the fact they've been relegated as well, isn't
2: it? I don't think it's a bad. It would be a bad sign, and I think it's you know, in the the kind of mold that you would be. You'd be looking for. Um, He did well in a in a poor Watford side. You know, you you know, never really threatened to stay in the Premier League. I think you you know you'd be looking at like you said earlier on, fifteen to twenty million pound would be what they're probably looking for. I think they got him for. I think called to transfer market three point six million. So it's quite a quite a jump for them to be looking for fifteen to twenty million. Um, But he can certainly do a job. You know, we can play either side of the front man. He can play up front as well, essentially. Um, so it wouldn't, be, it wouldn't be a bad signing, um, but I think you know he's a similar age to Richie um, less pedigree than Richarlison but doesn't mean that he can't develop and, and, and can't progress and, and you know can't make us you know into a, an all-round better side as long as we buy other players as well because we, we, we can't go into into the new season in a in a worse position. We've got to come out the transfer window. If we sell Chris or not, as an all-round better side, you know. I know there was a lot of factors as to why we were where we were last season, which we discussed at length. But we've got to go into the season a more competitive side. Um, and for me, yeah, you know, he's got the attributes uh, uh, to, to to be a success. He's proven he can score goals in the Premier League. He's always, he always looked a threat to me. He's got pace. You know, pace is always one of those things that that can um, can really help you in the Premier League because it's so quick. So, yeah, definitely he's probably going to be one of the names mentioned. Um, Like I say, long, long summer ahead of us. Uh, Let's just hope we can get things boxed off as quickly as we can.
0: I'm just hoping, hoping quickly, before you finish on that, I just hope we sign... it would be good to see him go, obviously, but I hope we sign three or four decent players for that sort of transfer fee, do you know what I mean, to improve us, uh, rather than go out and sign... You know, a 1450 million pound player, and obviously, you know, it's more of a gamble. But you know, if the likes of, if it is the likes of Dennis or Saar or people like that, and then maybe, you know, a couple, a midfielder, a centre half, or whatever, then you know, I'd, I, it'd be, it'd be an easier pill to swallow, wouldn't it? If if we did, if we did improve the squad with the sale of one player.
2: Yeah, I think we've got to, we've got to stop at the moment looking at players around, sort of. 35, 40, 50 million pounds and, and making those kind of purchases. There's got to be, you know, common sense approach An approach which means, you know, you buy someone for 15 million, you can sell them for say 25, 30 and make a profit. We've that for ages. That's got to be our model now. It can't be lashing silly money at players uh, because it doesn't work. It hasn't worked for us. It may do in the future, if obviously, you know, we 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 get better financially and we get better at doing that side of things. But yeah, it's gotta be players around that particular price tag. Um, but we're going to be fishing in, in the sort of the free transfer, the loan market as well. Um, so, But I, I expect maybe one or two cash transfers, if you like, to come into the club as well. Um, but let's see, long summer ahead, that's for sure. Uh, but we'll, we'll wrap up the, the transfer side of things there. Uh, we're going to take a short break and we're going to have a, have a quick chat about a, a letter that was released by uh our majority shareholder this week five, this year, after this short break. Welcome back to the second part of this week's Unholy Eternity podcast. And like I mentioned then, our uh, majority shareholder came out this week after calls from fans. It's got to be said, you know, the the fans have mentioned communication, or lack of, quite often um, over the last, the last season or two. They've also questioned the communication since the end of the season. Because at the end of the day, we we've just come out of a Premier League season where we were <laughs> very close to being relegated. We all think we shouldn't have been anywhere near those positions. Um, and then this week, Farhad Moshiri sent us all a letter, which which I basically feel was an apology um, for for what has gone on, um, saying that they've got a we've got to learn lessons from from the season, thanking the fans for obviously the role that we all played in in keeping the side in the in the Premier League, but Peter, what, what are you taking from that? Because people are still being fairly critical about it. Um, people feel it's just sort of maybe giving lip service to to, to, to fans. Really, um, did you take anything from what the from what Farhad
1: Moshiri you, you said? Do, do you know what I, I did? And I'd probably say out, out of all of us on the podcast, I'm, I'm normally considered the most cynical and miserable. Um, so I may be a bit surprised by my reaction to his letter of apology, but it didn't feel to me just like a PR exercise. Um, You know, I I thought it was important that he came out and apologised to the fans, uh, you know, and and was open and giving some kind of account of what, you know, what exactly has happened this season. And I'm sure behind closed doors that uh, analysis will be happening in a a much more greater um, level of scrutiny. But it was it was the right thing to do, and it was, what, it was what was necessary. And I think you know, fans can't call for communication from the club and then you know criticize the club for for communicating with them. You know, he's he's come out, he's he's made a clear apology. He said it wasn't good enough. That lessons have been learned. That new things have been put in place. And for me, that's the difference between you know lip service and actually doing something. You know, that the club do seem to be trying to learn lessons and. It, it's clear that with the reorganization of the club you know particularly in terms of Mashiri coming in and his sort of controlling stake if you will that there's arguably been too many powerful people in the club with strong opinions on certain decisions that should be made um and at times that's led to messes and chaos and it can't happen again and we need a unified strategy again and we need to stop you know completely sort of reinventing the The wheel. I mean, I think it's become a bit of a joke, hasn't it? I think Paddy Power developed some kind of Everton meme about how we continually try to reinvent ourselves. Um, So I think Kevin Thurwell coming in, hopefully now we we can allow him to do his job and Mashiri et al can step back a little bit and maybe listen and, you know, allow the model, allow the approach to be trialled and see if it works and, um, you know, adjust and listen rather than make hair trigger decisions. But to me, it does feel like more than a PR exercise because it's clear at a structural level within the club, things are changing. Um, and I, I guess I'd say to fans, you know, look, let's, let's give them another chance. Let's get behind them for next season.
2: Yeah. Do you feel the same Chris in terms of, have you got hope that this is the, the majority shareholder potentially stepping back? And realising that maybe he shouldn't be having his, his fingers in all these different pies and when he employs people at the club, he employs them to do to do a job uh, and trust them to do a job, because he does mention in it in his letter uh, about obviously Frank Lampard and and Kevin Felbel coming in and also as well the uh, the, the coach educator Kevin Nicholson's coming as well. There's quite been quite a few changes there, Chris. So so do you think does that give you hope that he is learning this lesson?
3: Yeah, I think in the con, I'm really happy with it in the context of him bringing in Kevin Fellwell. Um, obviously, my area, main area of expertise is MLS. It's what I cover for a living more often than not. And um, so I've I've seen his New York Red Bulls teams up close and personal, and, and the way he operates. And we know we were mentioning before the the kind of ponds we're going to have to be fishing in, and and Thelwell's an expert in doing that. Um, he can work on a budget, he can sign young players and and develop them and sell them at a profit. So um, he, he's already made a positive change for how the club needs to be run now. Um, so with that in mind, I am quite happy with it. Um, I understand people's reservations when, for example, I saw a couple of comments that people were annoyed that it was a an open letter and, and not a video. Um, and people were saying maybe they were hiding behind ghostwriter or something like that and I was a bit like I understand where you're coming from and you want the most transparency possible from your club but at the same time we wanted communication he's give it and the letter seemed genuine to me and um, my favourite part of it was him not taking ownership for what the fans did at the end of last season and um, I think a lot of people were a bit irritated by uh, Bill Kemright coming out after the Leicester game and saying we did this and we did that when in reality we know that's not the case it was only the fans pulling together uh, and Lampard said it enough times the players have said it enough times how much of a difference that made and um, so Mashiri not taking ownership of that I think probably knew what he was doing when he when he was avoiding that with his wording but smart move and I think the right move and um, He's put the right people, I feel, in place to, to bring the club forward from the position they're currently in, and I think now is the time. He does have to step back and, and allow Felwell to, to work with Lampard and let them to, and as you say, Kevin Nicholson and all, all the people he's put in place, let them run the football inside. He's just there to to answer with money. That's it. Um, I look across the park, and I mean, I'll throw this one back at you, but how many times do you take the Super League debacle out of it. Um how many times do you see the ownership at Liverpool coming out really publicly and speaking to Jim White or going 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 on record to to give their opinions. As far as I'm aware, they just don't do it because that's not their job.
2: Mm-hmm. No, I think I think you're right. I think, I think that side of things, if we weren't where we were and even if we were sort of floating around mid-table, what we were we were safe, we were secure I don't think this would have been <clears throat> would have been called for. Um, I think we much rather hear from the likes of Kevin Fellwell, who we, we did as of was it yesterday. Yeah, there there was a, a a meeting online meeting with the uh, interview with Tim Tim Howard, um, and, and I think he comes across very very well. Um, and that's the kind of thing we should be listening to and want to hear than always looking for something from the you know far midfield. But I understand why fans wanted it. Uh, I do get that the fact that you know, we're looking for for answers, for apologies and for people to hold their hands up and say, listen, I got it wrong. And Far Mishiri has said that in his uh, in his letter. And, you know, like you say, you know, other clubs don't really operate that, that way where they, their own their majority shareholders come out and, you know, they, they feel the need to, to speak to the fans on a regular basis. You know, we, we didn't like it when he was going to, to Jim White. I mean, I used to be absolutely crackers that he was going to someone on talk sports and on relaying information and some people might like that sort of open and, and honest approach and i didn't you know if you're going to communicate you communicate through the right channels which is via the, the club website uh, via emails to the fans whatever it might be um and that that's the thing where i think farhad Mashiri has hopefully learned his lesson from because he's not really been getting getting in touch with with jim white over over recent months that's for sure um but I think I think it was enough really from from him I think it was it was nice to to get it read it uh nice touch as well with uh you know we mentioned to offering the the friendly um to Dynamo Kiev uh which which will probably be the the friendly at Goodison part before the the season actually starts so the week before probably our last game of pre-season if that's that's agreed and and that's that's a nice touch Um, As well, but I think I think yeah, I think it was important in this sense to hear from them. But I think we need to, like you said, Chris. You know, other clubs don't always have their owners or majority shareholders coming out and and saying, you know, uh, messaging the fans and uh, communicating on that particular level. Other people should be doing that. And as I say, I much rather listen to to Kevin Feldwell, Frank Lampard people like that, Kevin Nicholson, you know, let let's see what, what they've got to say. and um, mm-hmm. you know, which actually links to their role. But I'm gonna bring Lee in. I'm not even sure if Lee's there because he's gone off on his uh, on his camera uh, in regards to this. Lee, what are what are your thoughts on the, the letters from Farhad mashiri Are you happy with it? Um is it something that you want to see or you want to see going forward? Yeah, I think we've lost them. So we'll, we'll we'll scrap we'll scrap that question, but no, it was just as I say, I thought it was important to have a chat about it because there was there was still uh, a section of supporters who weren't who weren't too pleased with with what is actually um, you know what what came out, and they were they were quite sceptical about it. Uh, but for me, absolutely fine, no issues. Some you know held his hands up. Whether you want to believe it or not, he apologised. Um, but the proof will be now going forward, have lessons being learned. If they if they have, we'll see that over the course of the summer in terms of transfers that are being made um, um, and people being allowed to do their job. From what I've heard from, you know, in and around the club, Kevin Thelwell has been allowed to, to get on with his job, in, you know, with Frank Lampard, and that's that's the important thing. But, like I say, the proof will be when the season uh, kicks off. Transfer window was over. And we see where we are with with those with those players, uh, but we'll we'll wrap up that particular chat there. We're going to take one final break before we we have a quick discussion over the uh, our new shirt sponsor Steak.com. We're back after after about thirty seconds. Welcome back to the final part of today's Unholy Trinity podcast, and it's it's all changed. as we knew it would we'll be on the front of the shirts for for next season. People were. Uh, crying out for for the announcements. There was a, a rumor about what two or three weeks ago. It was going to be the uh, online betting company stake.com who com uh, who sponsor last season. um we were told by the athletic any new a new deal will be record breaking as they always are. how much how much record it uh, breaks, the record set by Kazoo, we don't know as of yet. We know it's more than ten million pounds a year. um but Peter gonna have to come to you first because you were quite vocal to, to us about this. Um in terms of the club getting stake on, on the fronts, the fronts of the
1: shirts. And you are not you're not best pleased, are you? No, I I've got a couple of thoughts about it, really. I, I think firstly it, it feels a bit tone-deaf. Uh, and secondly, it, it just feels odd. It, it, you know, we were just talking a moment ago about the club trying to learn lessons at a an organizational you know, leadership level about mixed messages and having a a unified vision. Now, Denise Barrett-Baxendale came out and criticised our previous betting sponsor, Sports Payser, while they were the sponsor, saying that we don't really want them on the shirt and that Everton Football Club shouldn't have a, you know, a a gambling organisation as the sponsor. And then we've gone out and got another one. And as a, as a fan, I mean, that it, it's incredibly frustrating for, for a couple of reasons. One, I mean, you know, not to take us back to the, the the club apology, but you can understand how can fans have confidence in that when the club are coming out and making a massive contradiction, you know, again, at a huge organisational organizational board leadership level with the club sponsor. You know, and it is really important. You know, who's slapped on the front of that shirt is really, really important. And that decision won't have been taken lightly. You know, there would have been long-term negotiations, uh, you know, with, with, with several parties. And a number of people will have had to have approved this decision. So it seems very, very strange. Um, and yet it might be record-breaking in terms of the amount of money involved. But for a Premier League football club, you know what? What's one to two million pound for a club the size of Everton? So I I I, I don't really understand it. Um, I, I think it's strange, uh, I, and I I don't think it's befitting of the club. And I, I think, like Chris said, you know, when we've been so outspoken on, uh, you know, things like the the, the Super League. Um, you know when the club have got it so right when it comes to things like you know what's going on in Ukraine at the moment, um, and Everton Football Club often do get it so right when it comes to you know I think I think modelling who we are to the rest of the league and to society, it just seems like a very un Everton thing to do to me.
2: Yeah, I think it's a difficult one. I mean, you you say about what's a difference, you know what does difference does one or two million pound make. I think in our predicament it makes quite a bit of difference after what's happened with usm and pulling out sort of 20 million pound worth of sponsorship i think that's quite a big a big um a big hole to sign to sign fill. um now i'm not sitting here by the way saying oh i wanted the, i wanted the gambling company you know after what what denise barrett baxendale said and that's why i think there's so much criticism out there is because you go back a couple of years ago and she was so keen in cutting ties with sports pacer um you know that her words have come back to to haunt her because she she's back now um and she's got another another gambling firm on the front of the shirt and it's I think that for me I'm not as concerned as others I've got to be honest. Um I think you know if you every football club, every ground you go into has got betting stations within the stands. Every ground you go into has got adverts are betting companies around the hordens You've got the Premier League heavily backed by Sky. And obviously Sky bet adverts are on. Uh bet 365 adverts are on, you know, at time in breaks between, you know, when matches are on the telly. Uh, I mean in the in the championship, they, they sponsored the league, for God's sake. You know, so I think it's hypocritical for people to come out within the sort of media because everything got a lot of heat for this. When you've got another nine or ten clubs with with betting companies on the front of the shirt i think that i think it, that takes them a little bit to be perfectly honest it's not an ideal world i think that's probably the one of the, the the lines a club would probably spin you know the landscape since even january february time when obviously the the war in ukraine started that's changed a lot of things as well so it's certainly not not a not a perfect world to negotiate in and ever never thought well we, we've lost you know so many millions of pounds from USM, we've got to sign for the whole. If that's the best that we can get, we're, go- we're going to have to go with it because it's not illegal to have them on. You know, that that's the thing. And um, people look at it from a moral standpoint and, and I get that, you know, but that's only based really for me on what the club said two years ago. If, if if, sports pacer, if that contract finished, and we brought in Kazoo, and everything, you know, just went on the record to thank Sports Pisa, and that was that. And we didn't sort of say we don't want this kind of deal, this kind of uh, company on the shirt. We wouldn't have got this kind of heat, in my opinion. Um, I think maybe the disappointing factor for kids is that they can't have the the sponsor on the shirt, and you know, all kids want to look like the heroes, don't they? And that's probably uh, one of the the negatives of it as well. But you know, I'm not quite in the camp of you know people who uh, have gone down the the, the moral route, as much as I understand it. Listen, I'm not criticizing people. We've all got our own opinions. Um, I have some understanding why the club have gone down that particular route from a financial point of view. Um, and as I say, I think I think those who criticize it within the world of, of, of football media, etc., I think it's, it's quite hypocritical, even being honest, because football is, is is heavily backed by betting companies, whether they're on the shirt or not. As I say, we see adverts all the time around the grounds. They've got betting stations around the ground. You know, it's it's along the similar lines of selling selling beer in the grounds and advertising those kind of companies as well. So, it's it's a funny one, really. Uh, it's, it's caused a lot of a lot of criticism. But Chris, where, where, where do you sit with this? Are you, are you like Pete, where you know from a moral standpoint, you don't think it's right, and the club, you know, should have really a stuck with Kazoo for that third year? Or found a, another front of
3: share sponsor with slightly slightly
2: less money coming in.
3: And to be honest, I'm still wrestling with it myself. Um, a number of years back, I had a bit of a, a brush with gambling way too much and, and putting myself into a bit of a hole with it. And I can speak from experience that it, that urge to to go out and blow all your money does sometimes it can come as easily as just seeing a name of a of a bookie or or a gambling site and so I'm, so in that respect and um, I don't like it and I agree with and I agree with the point that it is a bit hypocritical of the club and um, to sort of make a big song and dance about one gambling company and then a couple of years later they're now putting it back on the shirt and um, on the other hand uh, it is a harsh reminder that football is now first and foremost a business and um, and if if stake were the company or the, the potential sponsor offering the most money and um, I can kind of think from a business level that the club would probably sat there thinking what are we supposed to do we we need money why are we, how are we going to turn this down and um, so, I mean I, I did like I saw a suggestion in the week for the for the kids shirts and putting in the community on the front of it and I don't understand why they've never done that before to be honest um but I mean that that would be at least a nice little nod from the club to say we know this isn't ideal and um, here's a gesture to show that we're trying am not trying to make it right I'm not really sure how to word it but at least we're acknowledging that this isn't ideal but it's a decision we've had to make and um, all of that to say is yeah I'm still wrestling with it um from a Moral standpoint, I don't think it's ideal and. Um, but I also understand the business side of it um, and and there the are people at that club who have got to put the finances first and that's clearly what they've done.
2: Yeah, and I think obviously from from your viewpoint there, obviously you, you, you said there about how gambling can can take hold. Um, now I was never been a big a big gambler. I went through a time when I was a little bit younger where I, I put a few bets on and. I, I, you know, I was one of those people who, okay, I, I could, I could step away, but I could still feel at times, there were still times when I felt I need to chase what I've, you know, I was only really putting on a couple of quid here and there, but I need to get that money back, and didn't you know, I can see how it can, of course, I can see how it can take hold, but I, I just think from a, from a, a point of view of people who've come out and, and criticised it, you know, they, they're not looking at what the sort of the league is is built on like you say football's a business and all these companies feed in in some way shape or form to sport to football and i think you know and they've got it if 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 we're going to go down that road i think then you, you need to which which would never happen because it's too lucrative for the business they need to just say well no one has as gambling for of, uh, gambling comes on because of the shirt, there's no advertising in football grounds, there's no betting stations in in the grounds you know, if people want to go online and, and bet and, and do that, then that, that's the personal choice, but I think they've got a, it, it. it can't be sort of one rule for, for Everton for example and then one rule for, for somebody else I think they've got to make a decision on it to be honest with you, and that's why I think that the criticism that the club got, I understood it from the hypocrisy side of things that you've gone. You said this two years ago, but now you're saying, oh, yeah, we're going to backtrack because it's getting us, a, you know, say, thousand pounds more potentially than what Kazooie are going to give us per year. I get that side of things. But then I think we've got a lot more heat than a lot of other clubs. You've been you've had them on the share for, for a number of years. And as I say, the, the league and football and sports is based around, you know, these these gambling companies and they advertise freely on a match day. And there's no concern around that. And that that's the thing, isn't it? It's gotta be you've got to look to if it's a huge concern, which I agree for for some people it, it is, then make a decision on it. I know this this white paper's coming out where initially it was thought that from I think 2023, 24, they were gonna say like, there's there's a, there's a wholesale ban, you can't have gambling firms on the front of your shirt. Now the, the talk is now it's gonna be a softer approach that they don't want you to have it. But that will have to be a personal choice from the club. You've got to personally say, well, we are not going to use it. And that's where so again, it makes no difference really, unless someone makes a decision and says you can't have it. Clubs will do it, whether whether we feel unfortunately it's morally, morally right or wrong. Um, but I think, like you say, I think with the with the the kids, you know, everything in the community on the front of the share. We've said it for years, you know, when we had the likes of the likes of Sports Pacer. Uh, to less lesser extent Tiang as well. Um why aren't we giving kids the option to to have something like that on the shirt just so they they feel a little bit more involved and a little bit more like like the the heroes that they that they watch. Um and I mean some shirts look better without a sponsor on to be honest. And I think a lot of people are taking the, the stance even adults are saying well can I have a shirt next season without the sponsor on? You know, because like you said, Chris, from from your viewpoint, and on Pete's and others, they're not too happy with what's bottom on the front of the year.
3: Um, I think sorry to interrupt. I think you raised a good point though, and um, in that I, was, I should have mentioned it before when I was saying like that that urge couldn't come to you just from seeing the name of a betting company. Yeah. But when when we're putting that in context with Everton, um, I can confidently say that Everton having stake or or not having stake on the shirt. Like, is that going to make a world of difference in that? You can sit down and watch a Sky Sports broadcast now and Sky Bet will be thrown at you every advert. And if you're watching a championship game, they will literally say Sky Bet 100 times in the broadcast and then they'll go to an advert and it'll be sponsored by Bet365. And sometimes you'll even get a third betting company coming in halfway through the advert break. So I'm. I'm not justifying what Everton are doing, and um, what I'm saying is I'm essentially agreeing with you in that they've had a lot of harsh criticism in the context of how much gambling plays a part in football. It seems like everyone's attacked Everton. Maybe it's because of the hypocrisy, um, but everyone has attacked Everton quite viciously over this when it's everywhere. And um, some of the fans that have uh, that have come out and attacked Everton for it support clubs in a league that is sponsored by Skybet and have a betting company on the front of their own shirts. So, yeah, Ever- Everton, as always, seem to have bore a particularly harsh brunt, but I think if we take it in a bit of context in that the entire game is washed with it, um, how much difference does it make? And again, I think I'm just making it clear and I'm still wrestling with uh, with what I truly feel on it myself.
2: And, and that's fine. And that's obviously where everyone has got a different, a different opinion on these kind of things. And and, and that's, that's absolutely, absolutely fine. And I, I just think that they need to, as I say, totally come in with a ban and say, right, it can't be on, you know, we, we can't have it on shirts, sleeve sponsors, you can't around the ground. But I just don't think they're ever going to do that in terms of, especially the advertising side, because they get so much money from it. Uh, and Sky, Sky especially, Sky, Sky control the Premier League, Let, let's get that right. You know, so from their perspective, they're making a hell of a lot of money off of people from Skybet um, and you just I just can't can't see it. And as I say, I'm not I'm not sitting here delighted with the sponsor. You know, it, it certainly wouldn't be my first choice to go down that particular route. Um I think of everything, you know, the, what they said a couple of years ago, you, you've got to stick by your convictions. But what I understand, you know, with, with what has gone on since, especially in the recent the recent past, why they've sort of just gone. Well, we're gonna to have to sort of bite the bullets and, and back sack and take the you know the, the best offer that we can get as well from a business perspective, rightly or wrongly. Um but it's a really tough one. You know, it is a tough one for people to 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 sort of stomach and as I say we, there's a variety of opinions on this on this podcast as well. Um but we've, we've just got, you know, it's I don't think, I think another thing about it as well, I don't think it looks particularly great. I've, I mean, I've mocked up a couple of, you know, three or four different shirts and put them out. And my, my point with it is if you make the, the fonts, especially what we saw on Wofford's shirt last season, it was absolutely massive across the front of the shirts. If you make it smaller, it looks all right. And I put a few shirts out that are home away uh, two ways and a third. And I think it looked looked all right, to be honest um but I don't think it's it's a particularly attractive attractive uh, logo either um which again you know when you're looking at sales of shares and things like that that doesn't help things so I think the club will lose out as much as merchandise dice isn't a huge income booster in the grand scheme of things I think the club will find they will won't break any kind of records next season for shirt sales that's that's another thing as well because of a lot of kids won't want to have the shirt without the sponsor on. A lot of adults don't want to buy the share piece, obviously, piece included with the sponsor on. Um, I think I think what they probably would be wise to do is for the training stuff, get a and share sponsored like a lot of shirts do. So people can maybe go out and buy those kind of things because that, that will certainly boost boost those kind of sales. Obviously, you know, we, that remains to be seen. A lot of commercial deals to be done. Uh, including the sleeve sponsor as well, uh, but yeah, it's it's a it's certainly a sort of moral conundrum. Um, definitely see both sides of the argument, um, but I mean it could be on the share for, for the next three years if if you report it to, to, to be believed. But hopefully, you know, you know, if we we get into a better financial position. We have a similar thing to what we have with, with Kazoo. where after two years, you have that option of a of. of and we can we can readdress it in, in a couple of years time uh but we'll see let's let's see what happens but that's all for this week chris really really, really enjoyed the, the conversation this morning um great to have you on obviously your, your insights especially but obviously the charles and stuff tarkowski stuff and, and we look forward to hearing more from you over the uh the summer with hopefully some some good positive evidence news
3: thank you very much Yeah, uh, a pleasure um happy to finally be on and yeah let's hope that i Announcing the signing of uh, Neymar and (laughs) Richarlison, managed to stay and get in to come over to Goodison. But I don't, you know, don't don't hold your breath on that one. But yeah, let's let's hope for a good summer.
2: No, I really appreciate it. Look forward to to seeing what happens over the course of the uh, over the course of summer. But that's us for this week. Uh, We'll be back over the course of summer, like we like we say, we we get a we get a few hours, especially as the transfers start to start to kick off and preseason starts. The players get back in. So we'll catch you we'll catch you in a few weeks time.
1: The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues. Three opinions. One Everton Podcast.
2: Sports Social Podcast Network.